0: Welcome to episode 37 of the Ikario podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dave Florence from The Evolution of Dave. I first came across his work as it relates to soma breathing and breath work. And if you've seen our soma breathing experiment, we mentioned there too that we were using his guided breath work sessions for most of our own practice as well. Now, Dave is essentially an explorer, but also a practitioner and teacher in this kind of field of mental health and physical health. He is a soma breathing breathwork coach, and he has also worked with hypnotherapy and NLP, and he is a flow code coach as well. So he is someone who is really just exploring and practicing and kind of bringing systems together that all relate to the theme of how to become a better person and live a better life, especially as it pertains to like this kind of mind-body health factor. And so he's a fascinating person to talk to. I asked Dave many questions about soma breathing. We talk about breath work, what it's good for, who should do it and who shouldn't do it. We also talk about cold exposure and we talk about flow states, which also relates to an icario concept we've talked about many times. the kind of high-performance at low-tension idea. So Dave gives us his take on this as someone who specifically coaches people, works with people in order to help people achieve flow states. And we touch on many other topics. If you're at all interested in this kind of thing, if you're at all interested in acquiring these kinds of tools that can really upgrade your health and upgrade your life, I think you'll find this conversation really interesting. Now, as usual, we have put together some show notes, which in this case also includes links to things like where to get started with, you know, if you want to explore something like breathwork, for example. So we'll put all these resources together in the show notes, and you can find those at icario.com forward slash 037 for episode 37. So that's Ikario.com forward slash 037. 37. And you can also learn more about Dave by going to DaveFlorence.com or searching for The Evolution of Dave on YouTube. And with that, let's jump into the conversation. Before we get to the episode, I have to quickly chime in with a note from the edit of this episode. Unfortunately, On this interview, there was some issue with the audio where we had a lagging connection and somehow the audio track has our voices overlapping in some places. And I edited this out as best I could, but I just wanted to note there are still some moments where it sounds like one of us is interrupting the other before we finish forming a sentence. And I just want to let you know that this didn't actually happen in our conversation. We're not like rudely interrupting each other. There are just these moments where the audio track, unfortunately, has this overlap that I couldn't fully fix. But I wanted to publish this episode anyway, because this probably shows up only at a few moments and it shouldn't stop us from having Dave share his wisdom with us. So with that, enjoy this conversation. All right, Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you for, for giving us Thank some of you. your time. Thank here. you, I
1: appreciate you asking me.
0: Let's, let's start with this. So your, your channel is called The Evolution of Dave. And well, one of the things that comes to mind is like, well, what direction does this evolution, You know, what are you evolving from and where are you evolving to? I'm not sure if that's even a valid question.
1: Um, there is no absolute destination. This is something that I perceive mm. as a journey, I don't ever want to get to a point where I say, yes, I figured it all out. I don't want to get to that point. Uh, You know, I I want this to be an exploratory journey. I want it to be part of experimentation. That's what I'm always preaching about, um, that actually that's what makes life fun. Mm. There are lots of people that ask me questions about breath work or cold therapy or anything like that. And quite often they're looking for a very specific answer that is derived from protocol. In other words, specifically, Dave, but what time should I do it and how long should I do it for and all that kind of stuff? And and I typically answer, well, first of all, get whatever the method is, make sure you understand it, but then forget about the protocol. Find your own way because we're all different. And by playing with it and experimenting mm. with it, it means that you're going to continue doing it. I think the problem that people find is that they find something that really works. And we're all nowadays like magpies So we we like the next shiny thing, don't we? We think, oh, this looks really good, I'm gonna do that, and then they start seeing the benefits, especially with the likes of the Wim Hof Method or Soma Breath. And then three months down the line, the neurochemical changes start to dissipate as your body starts to adapt and change, and then they start getting bored of that technique. Uh, But luckily, it's okay, because look, there's another one over there, let's try that. And then they do that for a few months, oh, there's another one. And, and the thing is, you know, I think they miss the benefits. Yeah. And I, I get it. I understand it because, unfortunately, you know, I talk about technology a lot. I use it for for the business I'm in now. But, of course, there is a a downside to it. And And one of it is that it's designed to plug you in. It's designed to hold you there for as long as possible. And through marketing and remarketing, it's designed to flash up stuff that you don't really need and tell you that this is the latest thing that you ought to try. Yeah. So you're always fighting against it, aren't you? Your psychology is always fighting against it. So I guess hopefully that answers your question. For me, there is no destination. It's, it is entirely the journey. I know it sounds like a cliche, but that that is what I want. I, I like the fact that sometimes things don't mm. work for me and I tell people and then I try something else mm. and if it works, I stick with it and it becomes a part of my, my daily you know, routine. No, that's
0: that's great. That's uh, lots of stuff that I definitely want to touch on. You know, you mentioned <clears throat> breathwork, cold exposure. We're definitely going to get into some of these things. But first, let me let me dig a little bit into how you how you sure. got to do what what you do now with this focus on on like mind mm. body health and all that. Um, you describe something of like mm. a wake up moment in your life where you where I guess you something made you think that something's not right here or something's missing here and i think this is a a moment that many of us have at some point like we look around at the like we've been following this path that has kind of been laid out to us by by society or by you know our social circles or whatever and we follow that to some degree and then we go hold on is this is this really it is this really what i want so i'd be interested to hear more about what was that Moment for you and you know, what made you decide to kind of change directions and and pursue this this evolution essentially
1: back end of so at the end of 2017 I had a, uh, a business. I ran with a friend a recruitment business the year was terrible um, uh, we, we had a, um, a Fraudulent member of staff uh, the business wasn't really making a great deal of money There was no energy or real drive or passion behind it. So it was no wonder things weren't going that well we had a Christmas party that we always do at some point, I'd obviously drank too much, and I think other things I'd consumed, um, because at some point, something happened, and then five hours later, I was found by the side of the road. Um, and it was very strange because I still remember the feeling. I was sat in the road, thinking everything was fine. In my mind, I was thinking, I'm just having you know a bit of time out. I'm just you know I'm just thinking, I'm being pensive. And then every now and again, I'd get somebody tapping me on the shoulder asking me if I'm okay. And, and I, I'd, I'd be saying, yeah, yeah, sure. Why are you asking? I'm totally fine. And then they'd walk away. And I don't know how long, uh, you know, how much time elapsed, but anyway, then, uh, an ambulance arrived, paramedic got, uh, got out a couple of paramedics. And I, my immediate assumption was, uh, maybe they need my help. Maybe they're lost. So I asked them, Oh, do you need directions? <laughs> and They said, no, no. So we're here for you. I said, what are you <laughs> talking about? I don't need any help. And so the, the guy got out his phone. He took a photograph of my head. And obviously I, I was covered in blood. And and I said, oh, okay. I see oh, what you wow. mean. Yeah. So we better go to hospital. So the very next day after that experience, uh, you know, I still don't know over about five hours, I, the, uh, those hours are lost. I have no idea what happened. I don't know how I sustained my head injury, but my immediate thought was, I was a, a father of a young child. I think he was two at the time. a uh, Husband, and my wife was really worried. She didn't know where I was, so immediately I thought that is not how a husband and father, in particular, should act. You know, that is that's not you know that's unforgivable. Um, I don't think I did anything untoward, by the way. I don't. I assume I don't. But but either way, they were worried. That's not good. And I just happened to be looking at YouTube videos on the Wim Hof method. And that struck me as that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted cold and I wanted it to be painful almost to shake me out of the state that I was in. In other words, I quite often talk about the Catholic mm. flagellants that were around. I can't remember the, the what century, maybe the 15th, 14th century. And of course, they would whip themselves with uh, these, these sort of nailed whips creating pain and um you know in that that was the kind of psychology it wasn't it was just uh the the kind of psychology was was nothing to do with religion but it was something to do with if i cause myself this shock to the system maybe it will reset uh, my state and mm-hmm. that's exactly what what it did three months later i was so excited by the Wim Hof method the cold therapy and i just started the breath work i thought right time to Create a YouTube channel. I want to tell other people about this, and I don't know where I got the name from, um, but it seemed to be the right thing to say. And then that's it. And then really, from then till now, I've accumulated qualifications. Uh, really, just by putting stuff out, finding a new method, thinking that's great. I might become qualified in that, telling people about it. And then my subscribers would say, "Hey, Dave, have you tried this?" And then I'd try it, and you know, so it's it's gone from me leaving the corporate space that I was in to doing this now full time and now feeling like Mm. I am totally aligned with my path before I was on the well-trodden path is what I often talk about the well-trodden path that always felt didn't you know didn't feel right now I'm on the untrodden path I have no knowledge of where I'm going you know ahead you know it I can't see the future Um, all I know is it feels right to be there and the more i stay there the more in flow i become
0: so what was your so you started with the wim hof method uh cold exposure breath work and what was your experience of that was it uh, apparently it worked right as you describe it you you wanted something to kind of shake you or, or shock you out of out of your old habits apparently
1: that worked what was your experience of that uh, so i remember watching a video where somebody was saying right if you're going to do cold showers that's how i started then you need to go easy. You need to take it easy. You need to start off warm and then gradually turn it cold. And I remember thinking at the time, that's not what I want. I don't want it to be easy. I don't want it to be a gradual change. I want it to be a shock. So I remember going into the shower, immediately turning it as cold as I possibly could and just enduring it. And of course, when you first start doing cold showers, you can't help but scream and shout. You can't help but uh, that involuntary shiver as your body's trying to deal with it. I didn't know how to. Uh, get used to it. I didn't know any of the techniques that you can use. I just, but I was happy to do it. But I remember that feeling immediately afterwards. In the shower, it was endurance. Out the shower, it was this wow, you know, I feel amazing. But the biggest thing for me was the breath work. When I started doing the Wim Hof Method breath work, I remember, I think it was about a month in. And this is the point where uh, your body's still trying to adapt to these changes. And it's flooding you with endorphins, with other positive neurochemicals. And I remember this one morning where I literally wanted to go outside and scream to the world, I feel effing great. You know, as in, as in, yes, it was this, you know, it was almost like this. Um, you know, I was, I, I was starting to be evangelical about it. You know, I was starting to sit, say, guys, guys, you should do this. You know, my friends, family, and obviously everybody was ignoring me because why would they listen to uh you know, a friend or a family member, give them this weird advice, but yes, I remember, I remember those that, that yeah. early days. It was lovely.
0: <laughs> yeah. And also you're, you're in the UK where I imagine the cold shower is actually pretty freezing cold, uh, because I'm, I'm in Portugal right now. The yes. cold water here is, you know, it's
1: wimpy. <laughs> yes. The cold showers are cold. It's interesting actually, because I've experienced this recently in another house where the cold shower just didn't get cold enough and it frustrated me. Um, but very early mm-hmm. on I moved to the garden hose anyway. Uh, in other words, uh, because okay. I was thinking, no, I want it to be full on, you know? So I wanted it even in winter mm-hmm. whilst I, um, you know, whilst it's snowing, I wanted, if I could get the hose to work, if it wasn't frozen up, I wanted that, you know, that kind of cold, you know, and mm-hmm. I remember listening to David Goggins at the time as well. And of course, David Goggins, you, you are probably aware of him. I didn't like him at first because he's always... Yeah, yeah. Every other word is F this, F that. And it's it's a quite a, you know, a, it's a, a very deliberate language that I couldn't really tune into. When I then heard his story, I totally related and understood where he was coming from. And then I really listened to what he was saying. And of course, a lot of what he's saying is about uh, a lot of his messages about callousing the mind. And I think that's what I was looking for. I wanted to callous the mind. In other words, develop this resilience.
0: Yeah, it's it's very interesting to me. So I've done a lot of cold exposure in, in various different ways as well. And it is interesting to me that it seems to be a lot about the attitude and what you describe where you want the cold. I think that the the thing that makes one suffer the most in cold exposure mm. is wanting to avoid the cold. You get into a, a, an ice bath and you kind of try yeah. to escape the, the ice. It's that's going to make you suffer. But if you go, yes, I actually want this. And, and mm. your attitude is even, mm. I want more of this. Make it more cold.
1: I think you can apply that to lots of different things um, that, that in which you are enduring. But also, I've discovered that when it comes to cold therapy, men and women deal with it differently. Women are far better often because they relax into it. They breathe into it. Men, they adopt this kind of very masculine approach and they try to muscle their way through it. So they, oh, they're all they're all tense and yeah, oh, just keep going. And <laughs> uh, but that doesn't work, of course. It's you know, you're 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 um mm-hmm. negatively affecting your physiology by doing that. Whereas if you learn how to breathe through it, slow down your breathing. If you if you're in the cold shower, you aim the cold to the back of your neck, and that that kicks in the mammalian dive reflex that slows down your heart rate. Um, uh, if you're in ice, it really is more. uh, more a case of just longer exhales which kicks it you know they're kicking the parasympathetic nervous system which which again makes you feel calm and relaxed so then you will be and that's what women tend to be i know i'm generalizing but that that tends to be what happens um because men it's a bit like when you take Mm. a man climbing his instinct is to use his arms you know to muscle his way up but of course then his arms blow halfway up yeah Because he's not using the right muscle groups to get up there. We have this stupid instinct (laughs) that um, that it feels like the right thing to do. Whereas you know, if we're able to shut off that instinct, you can apply this to lots of things. You know, shut off the instinct, breathe your way through it, and you'll fight. You know, Hmm. uh, if you look at fighters, for example, you know, in the UFC, those that are able to calm the mind beforehand, rather than get into the cage and go. You know, if you think about it, when you're in that angry state, you're in fight flight. The problem with fight flight is you become irrational. Mm-hmm. Uh, much of your brain is shut down. If you stay calm in a fight, you've got all this intelligent brain and the subconscious that will allow you to flow through it and therefore be, f- you know, you, 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 you'll be able to react quicker.
0: It's interesting even just even just talking to you makes me want to jump in an yeah. ice bath again. so you're clearly <laughs> well, having good. that effect. We should, we should do a podcast
1: <laughs> in an ice bath perhaps.
0: In an ice bath yeah there's actually there's a really funny um, there's a, a YouTuber called Juji. Who has done interviews where he puts oh, people in an ice bath and he <laughs> interviews them until they can't stand it anymore? It's very funny, and and they even do like sitting in an ice bath brilliant. and eating ice cream while talking, and you that's just brilliant. see I people love it. freaking out, and it's very funny. Oh, no, that's that's good. And so, do you feel like so cold exposure is it basically something you've done every on a day. regular basis ever mm. since you got into it? Have you just every day? Wow, okay. And do you feel like does this this kind of mental a toughening like you like you talked about and this attitude do you feel like that carries over
1: into other areas of your life when it comes to the cold because of the enduring nature of it the fact that you're calming yourself in a period of stress what we now know of course uh, is that stress is good for you people have that assumption that stress is bad for you actually it's very good for you but only in short bouts so sean acre um, professor at Harvard has done some really interesting studies on this. Um, so I know that short bouts of ice therapy, short bouts of cold shower, that kickstart a stress response on the, on the brain and the body is good for me. And it's also because of your psychological reaction, my psychological reaction, I know that that has absolutely had, uh, an effect on other areas of my life. So over the last three years, um, during all these wonderful times, I've also had some, uh, some significant highs of, and lows that have gone on outside of this world that, you know, um, and I've quite often stated in my YouTube, you know, I'm either feeling low or we, we're going through some tough times. You know, there's, there's been some pretty traumatic times. Had I not had these practices, especially the cold therapy, I wouldn't have dealt with them as well as I did. And I'm not being arrogant by stating that, but more yeah. more of a, a fact, um, I, I think in part as well, I almost adopted this stoic psychology inadvertently. It wasn't a conscious thing. But when we were going through some really tough times, uh, I was able to kind of switch off in many respects emotion in order to deal with the task at hand. So it's re- really interesting now when I think about it. But I do think that will have come from things like the cold therapy and especially the cold therapy because of what you're doing. You know, you're, you're yeah. forcing yourself into a yeah, stressful yeah. situation in order to deal with it on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I, I I remember. So I uh, discovered, you know, cold exposure a few years ago or so, but much earlier than that, I got into training, and I feel like that's also something where you have this kind of carryover, where training teaches you to just, you know, show up, do the work, and yes, it hurts, but you just, um, you know, at least certain kinds of pain, right? Certain kinds of pain, you just. Uh, yeah, you have this stoic attitude, Mm. essentially. Yes, it's hard. Yes, part of me wants to just Mm. stay in bed, but I'm just doing it. And there is this carryover where then in other areas of life, like you say, you have tough times, but there's this part of your brain that already knows how to do this. It's already, oh yeah, things are tough, but I'm just still going to show up and I'm still going to do it. Uh, I think that that is a really, perhaps underrated value of this kind of stuff, right? Because I think that... um, Nowadays, when we think about physical training, it seems like most of the most of the way we encounter it is essentially it's just about looking good naked, right? We see people who are who have amazing physiques, um, and th- like that's the goal. That's you go to the gym in order to to look like that uh, and to be admired. And I feel like these these other benefits are mm. perhaps a bit underrated. Yeah,
1: or, or maybe they're even rated, but people just don't choose to think about them. Because, as you say, they're too consumed by the yeah, idea feel- of the body beautiful, and al- although mm. that that is a deeper um, conscious thought, in you know, if you were to ask them, that wouldn't, of course, be their answer. Their answer would be, well, I, you know, I'm looking to improve my overall health and physiology. But I, I think you're right, um, for, and especially for men when they go through their peacock phase, you know, when they're displaying their feathers. I remember that that phase in my 20s, you know, you're you're presenting an image, you're displaying your feathers in order to attract a mate. You know, it's very animalistic. But of course, the way you do it is it puts off most other other women because because you're going overboard. <laughs> you don't realize that actually there's something else that they're looking for. Well, I think anyway, for most women, uh, certainly by my, my mm. experience back then, you know, it, it was all about show, show, look what I've got, you know, rather than, you know, seeing deeper. Yeah
0: yeah that's true yeah that's an a, another awkward phase we have many yeah, that we have yeah, to go absolutely. through um
1: <laughs> although less so less so when you when so you yeah like, into your 40s and i, I tell you what the, a really key thing for me was at a point when i realized i don't care i don't care what people think hmm. it was such a such a liberating feeling that's powerful yeah you know and you can see that in my channel because i do some
0: yeah.
1: odd things in there sometimes where i just think well stuff it i don't care Mm. yeah
0: yeah that's very powerful it's uh, I, I absolutely agree <laughs> um we are a lot so you know at Icario, one of the themes is freedom uh, you know how do you achieve freedom essentially and I think that's that is one of the key components you know the social freedom where you're just not that concerned anymore about how what do other people think and uh yeah I feel like that's that's a really a weight off the shoulders when you when you can achieve that
1: I agree uh, there's actually um, quite a, an interesting philosophical um thought around this whole freedom thing because if you live in the west it doesn't matter where you are everybody should feel free and it's only because of the detritus that we collect it's only because of the stuff that we collect both material as well as psychological and commitment to stuff that we we don't feel free you know I remember working in Zambia or what sorry my brother was working I visited him and I, and, uh, uh, I spent some time with some people out there and these are people that by Western Standard standards had nothing. but by Western standards, they were a hundred times happier. I know it's again, it's a cliche, but it's funny, isn't it how those in the West are striving to be happy, to feel free to have all these things that should be natural. they should they should just be there. we should have we should feel that. but we we get attached to jobs, we get attached to um, relationships, we get attached to all these things which, you know, much of which you can remove um, and and you will then feel more content and free.
0: Yeah, it it does seem that, you know, we are in some very significant ways. I think that our culture is, is like pushing us the wrong way in some very significant ways. And, you know, one of the things that attracted me to your work was that Basically, almost immediately when I came across one of your videos, my impression was that oh, here's someone who who is, who has either already successfully escaped or is escaping that trajectory, right? There's like this trajectory that we're put on, uh, and I'm particularly talking about like Western cultures, like you say, we're like very consumer focused, and we have all these ideas that they seem normal to us, so we never question them. But all the ideas about what it means to live a good life, what it, how to be happy, and so on seems to put us on a trajectory that very reliably mm. creates illness and misery and we can see that in, in various public health statistics and and it seems to me that you're someone who's like oh i noticed that there's something wrong and you're like changing the trajectory you know you you're, you're
1: finding ways to, to untangle but yourself what's, from what's that what's really silly it took a bang to the head for me to do that how stupid is that you know we we yeah. we we wait uh, for fear out of fear and we don't want to take the risks and then it's only when we have these life-affirming moments uh, you know uh, uh, for some people are faced with death whatever it might be but something that really wakes us up that we then go ah right light bulb light bulb i now get it okay mm-hmm. i need to get off that path and mm-hmm. it's it's really silly and i and you know i i never look back and and regret anything i did i think it is it's all kind of meant to be my journey. I, I, you know, I don't sort of see it that way, but um, whilst I don't regret, there were probably things I could have done better with my time that would have been a bit more useful, <laughs> <You know>? mm. <laughs> but at least, but you know, uh, I'm grateful for yeah, what I'm doing yeah. now and having figured some things out. Like I said, you know, at the beginning there, I haven't figured it all out. I don't want to figure it figure it all out, but I figured some things course, that are yeah. working for me and I have a feeling that if they work for me some of these things are going to work for others. Yeah. So with that let's let's get into mm-hmm. breathwork. You've mentioned that several
0: <laughs> times as, as an important component and it's also actually this is this is how I came across you. I was I'm not sure how I got there but I was searching for soma breathing and I came across your guided mm-hmm. soma breathing sessions which from which are my favorite ones available on YouTube are the ones you have where it's just a twenty-minute session, and it, I think it even says in the title, <laughs> like, "No <Yeah>. Nonsense." <laughs> you know, it's not it's not yeah. talking about so breathing for ten minutes first, right? It just goes straight into the session, uh, and then I also and I thought these were great. I really enjoyed these, and then I also did them with our whole team. So, and it was actually funny. So we were doing a series of of just personal development experiments with the whole team. And we usually did them for like seven to ten days in a row. And with the soma breathing, it's like we just Brilliant. kept going. Everybody wanted to keep doing it when we were doing it every every morning. Um, and yeah, so we were listening to you. We <laughs> were listening to your <laughs> voice guide us through these sessions basically every day for a while. Um, so I'm really grateful for those. those are really good sessions. And I'm so first of all, I think that probably not everyone listening is familiar with with soma breathing. So can you give us like the a quick intro, like, you know, what is soma breathing and, and why yeah. so why So first of all, breathwork
1: breathing? is thousands of years old. Nothing new here. In fact, um, I've got a book here, you might be able to see, called Science of Breath, written in 1904. A friend of mine sent this to me. Mm. Amazing book. Everything in there is exactly what we talk about. The only difference is that they use a different language. Um, wow. But anyway, breathwork goes back the, yeah. uh, centuries old um and it's not just indian i mean obviously the power breathing in soma breath and the wim hof method they're both exactly the same technique really soma breath adds some enhancements which i'll go into in a second but they're all derived from pranayama which is a yogic uh breathwork practice uh there are some elements of tumo um uh, which is tibetan uh but you get breathwork in ancient chinese culture Japanese, especially in the martial arts. So breathwork isn't just uh, yogic derived or yoga derived, but it is old. And and us in the Western world, like we've done with a lot of things, have kind of shut the door on these old ancient ideas and techniques. But luckily, and I think we have Wim Hof really to, to thank for this, really. When you think about it, yes, there's lots of other people out there promoting different yeah. styles, but it was Wim. it's good old Wim and his craziness <laughs> that brought it to the fore. You need, yeah. you need a, somebody to stand out and be nutty uh, to, to, you know, for people to listen. Anyway, so the breath work used in Soma Breath and the Wim Hof Method is thus. First of all, you start with something that is described as power breathing. So it's an inhale followed by an exhale and then you repeat. Now, in the Wim Hof method, they would typically say you do between 30 and 40 inhale exhales, and uh, certainly they used to uh, uh, simply just say, <sighs> but not really think about the amount of time uh, on the in, how many seconds on the inhale versus the exhale. With the Soma Breath protocol, it is very specific in the sense that. You get some routines that are inhale for four seconds, exhale for two, sometimes it's four seconds in, four seconds out, sometimes it's four or eight, lots of different methods, they all provide a different result. So anyway, you do this, what is really hyperventilating <laughs> uh, for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Then you inhale all the way, followed by exhaling all the way, and then holding your breath. This feels strange at first because your mind is saying, hang on a minute, you've just blown out all the oxygen. How can you hold your breath? Or or blown out the carbon dioxide, in fact. But of course, what we now understand is that you can hold your breath a lot longer than you ever imagined. And that holding of the breath after the exhale uh, is known as intermittent hypoxia. Very similar to high-altitude training. And what you're doing is you're developing a tolerance to higher levels of CO2. You're holding your breath, you're not expelling that CO2. And you then hold your breath for a period of time. You don't want to force it. That's very important, especially if you're new to it. It's not about breaking records. A lot of people get uh, into this analytical mindset of how long they can hold their breath for. Don't worry about that. Just do it for as long as feels comfortable at first. And then at the point when you think you need to inhale, you then inhale all the way. And again, hold your breath for a period of time, but not, not too long. And that is it. That is one round. So. There's lots Mm -hmm. of discussions about how many rounds that you should do. There's a wonderful piece of research called, um, uh, the therapeutic potential of intermittent hypoxia, a matter of dose. It's on PubMed. It's brilliant, but even that doesn't give you clear answers. And although this is, you know, thousands of years old, I don't think there's enough research because, because from a scientific perspective, it's only recent that they've started to study this. There's not enough to give you an absolute answer as to how much of this type of breathing you should do. Therefore, soma breath, say, just do a daily dose, which is two rounds every day, and you will be fine. And I agree with that. And then every maybe five or six days, try four or five rounds in one go. When you do that, Interesting mm. things start to occur. <laughs> okay. Uh, and th- this is when, in Soma Breath, for example, they do what's called the awakening ceremony, where you build up to that level of breathing. And in the last week of that mm. ceremony, people start experiencing, well, they feel like their brain has been awakened. And women actually feel orgasmic. They have some very orgasmic kind of experiences. Well, we do, but we don't, we get don't to have, have it that. to the same level as them. I mean, they are going. They're going a bit nuts as okay. in, you know, for some women it, it is quite an experience um, but yes you're right I think that's that is atypical of men versus women in, in the main anyway isn't it um, yeah yeah so yeah there we are that is that is the power breathing yeah this this is great so and also
0: let me say we will put in the show notes and and on YouTube in the description we will put links to um, where you can get started with this, right? So if you're thinking, "Oh, this sounds cool. I want to do this," we'll we'll put resources there for this. Um, I wanna I wanna pick up on a couple of things you mentioned. Um, one of which is that, as you say with with the breath hold, that mm-hmm. you you're not trying to force it. And I've had this experience as well, where it is completely outside of my control, and it's it's almost bizarre to feel how the first time I did it, it felt very difficult to hold my breath for, mm. I don't know how long it was, but yep. you know, let's say 30 seconds and I was I was out. And then, but without pushing myself, without additional effort, a few sessions in, I'm just sitting there in complete peace uh, in this exhaled state in the breath hold. And it's not difficult. I'm not, it doesn't take twice the effort yep. to go from 30 seconds to one minute breath hold. It's you just let your yep. body adapt And and I've actually had the same experience with cold exposure. I did uh, ice baths every day in the same temperature for a while and had the same experience where it's if I'm just sitting there and relaxing, I extended Mm. the time I could stay in the cold, but I just kind of let my body do it. I'm not Mm. I'm not trying harder and harder. Right. I'm not increasing my willpower. I'm just letting my body uh, Mm. adapt to this stimulus. Um, And and it's just Mm. really interesting to see that happen too. It's it's just a a very fascinating situation to be in where suddenly Mm. you're sitting there in this breath hold and you lose track of time and you, it's just, I don't know. It's weird, right? It's weird that you can just sit there in an exhaled Mm. state and everything's fine. It's it's such a special experience. Totally,
1: and it only improves for a while uh, if you keep doing it. Um, you know, you, you are going to get some real highs from doing it. Um, it's, but what's interesting there is that exactly what you've, what you should be doing. I don't think you should force much in life. There's not much you need to force as I quite often joke about, unless you've forgotten your front door keys, (laughs) there's not much you need to force. (laughs) And therefore the less you force, Mm. the more likely you're going to be in flow, the more likely you're going to go about life in the right way. Moving like water, as Bruce Bruce Lee would, would talk about. But it's so true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think when it comes to that exhale breath hold, what's going on there initially is obviously this, uh, uh, when you first, first do it, your mind is sending you messages. And those mm. messages are derived from a gas um, buildup. In other words, it's the buildup of CO2 that sends a message to the brain saying, you need to breathe. So really, really, it's your mind kicking in far too early. And this is all you're doing really initially with, with this kind of breath work is you're, you're messing with your mind. Um, you're, you're just saying, okay, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to ignore you now. I'm going to ignore you whilst I do this. Your message is far too early. I, I don't need that message just yet. Give me time. Um, but again, I think we should add here again that the sooner you learn how to listen to your body and understand when you should inhale, when it does feel right, uh, the easier this becomes. And that's why you should go in easy, take it slowly, build it up over time. Um, Because, you know, Mm -hmm. people do black out, obviously, if they push it too much.
0: And what is your, what would be the cue, you know, in a way, we, we've talked about what soma breath is, but not so much like what it's good for other than feeling good, right? What is the cue? Like, what is, what would you say It's like this kind of person should try this or in this mm. situation you should try this? You know, what is like the. So, there are certain things sp- you
1: shouldn't do this type of breath work for. So, you know, if you've got COPD, for example, mm-hmm. if you're suffering some kind of heart arrhythmia, um, then you shouldn't do this kind of breath work. Remembering that soma breath isn't just this sort of breath work, it's actually a variety of different protocols. And some include breath holds, some don't. So I think if we look at breath, hold, breath work in an umbrella term, everybody should try it. There will always be a breathwork practice that everybody can do, regardless of their condition, their state. Some people who are in a particularly stressful state I don't think um, the, the power breathing would necessarily be the right course of action for them you know, initially because if you imagine it, it is causing a stress on the body so if you're already you know in these heightened mm-hmm. stress based states then adding to that might not be a good thing you know I have heard stories of people um, you know having panic attacks I've heard um, various different physiological results um, because people went into it either too fast or they went into it in the wrong kind of state. I think if if you're in a good place psychologically, if you know predominantly your health is all right, then crack on, do it. It is a wonderful, uh, wonderful practice. Actually, for those that do suffer depression or stress and anxiety, the cold therapy can be a very good, um, experience. And it actually might be better to do that first. There's lots of stories Mm -hmm. that, you know, of people getting into cold water swimming, for example, that previously suffered depression and anxiety. Um, there are lots of, protocols uh, in breath work obviously that are very good for people that do suffer from stress and they tend to be the parasympathetically derived breath work practices in other words Practices that make you feel calm that, that slow down your heart rate your blood pressure And perhaps something worth noting every inhale that you do Increases your heart rate and your blood pressure briefly and therefore every exhale does the opposite so Let's say you're stressed and you don't know anything about breath work. You're probably breathing from the top, from the chest, and you're shallow breathing. You're not taking big lung falls. Excuse me. And you might well also be mouth breathing. All of that is a recipe for further exacerbating your problem. You're going to keep increasing your heart rate, your blood pressure. You're only going to get worse if that's what you're doing. However, if you know something about breath work, and you know you're feeling a bit rubbish and you think, okay, well then I should use my nose because that is optimal breathing and I should breathe in all the way and then exhale really, really slowly through pursed lips and keep it going, keep it going and then I'll do it again. I'll do that a few times. That will slow down my heart rate. Give me a moment of clarity, a moment of rational thought before I can then maybe do another kind of breath practice because I've now got time to think. Whereas if they went straight into power breathing, it might well send them off in another direction. That's that's a really interesting point. Yeah, because because the kind of thing like
0: Wim Hof breathing and Soma breathing, it's like this, it's this one protocol. And it's, let's say, it's like on the extreme end, right? You're using, and it's like an extreme version of breathing to to yeah. get a, an extreme result. But the really crazy thing is that basically no one ever taught us to just use normal breathing and to understand how this yeah. kind of connection what you just laid out it strikes me as one of those things where it's like how come mm-hmm. nobody has ever told me this before
1: you know and you know yeah yeah well he just breathes through his mouth that's no problem he's still taking in o2 it's okay mm-hmm. but actually that o2 isn't going anywhere only bits of it are going into the bloodstream most of it isn't going into the tissues where he needs it or she um so, yeah, it's only recently that I think people have understood the benefits of having a, um, this big old nose on your face that we've all got. You know, it's, it, it does so <laughs> much. It, it filters yeah. out particles. It, um, uh, as the cold air enters the nose, it changes the temperature to the correct body temperature. It moves the oxygen into the bloodstream. It knows what to do when it's there. It sends the, you know, the oxygen into the tissues. So without this, we will suffer. Without using it properly. So uh,
0: that's the the breathwork piece. Now, something that you've mentioned here as well is the mm-hmm. is flow states, and you are a uh, so a flow code <clears throat> coach, I believe. This is something I have no idea what that is. So can you give us
1: also an intro to this piece? So it's the Flow Global Initiative, uh, Slovenian company. Um, uh, led by a lovely chap called Sergei and Milan, um, they decided to conduct uh, research into whether or not you could actively encourage more flow state experiences. So a flow state, when we when we talk about that, is something that everybody experiences at some point in their life. Most people, not that often but high-level sports people regularly. And a flow state, so Ayrton Senna described it beautifully. He said, in one race, he said, it felt like uh, both uh, myself and the car became one. In other words, there was no distinction between uh, Ayrton Senna, the human, and the car, the machine. They were one. There was no thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, Johnny Wilkinson in this country is a famous rugby player, and he helped us win the World Cup in 2003. And I heard him describe this, Uh, He didn't describe as a flow state, but I knew that what he was talking about. He was talking to Bear Grylls and he was saying, so Bear Grylls had asked him, what was it like when you did that final kick? So by the way, this, this kick was a drop goal at the end and it it won us the game. It was incredible, perfectly timed. And he said, when I dropped the ball for the kick at that point, I felt like I'd left my body, but I knew even before I kicked the ball that it was going to go between the posts. He said, I knew absolutely 100%. I didn't know how I knew that but I knew it and I didn't know I didn't feel like I had control over what was going on but it was all happening there and he said what was interesting as soon as the ball went between the posts only when the crowd cheered and all of his teammates rushed towards him did he then suddenly go feel like he'd gone back into his body and he was able to enjoy the moment that is a flow state it's when you feel like you have control over time everything is going your way and you know Nothing can take you out of it. It is this incredible feeling where everything is in flow. And what's going on is uh, your brainwave pattern changes. It gets close to kind of a gamma brainwave pattern. And it's uh, an incredible moment. Everybody should experience it because when you're in that state, life is amazing. But you don't always know it necessarily. You almost have this blinkered tunnel vision. Anyway, so what we've now... Uh, got uh, via the flow code and the flow global initiative are protocols and practices that when you practice them regularly, you will not only encourage more of those flow state moments, but also create more flow in general. And what we mean by that is um, where things are just going well for you, where, you know, uh, you end up having opportunities thrust upon you that perhaps they were thrust upon you before. You just didn't recognize them. Um, you have a, a positive conversation with somebody here. That results in something over there. Uh, wherever your journey is taking you, it feels very smooth. Um, so, But this is something that would happen naturally had it not been for the fact that we've created all these blockages. So blockages from toxicity, um, blockages from... The way we live our west in our Western world, the you know, the, the material need, the commitment to job, the expectations mm. of others, our own expectations. But if you work at practices that remove all of that, you then start heading into flow. And that's that's what I teach, uh, along with, you know, those various other things.
0: Yeah, there's this, um, I mean, I'm also seeing like a, uh, it connects to some of the other stuff we, we've talked about where sometimes it, like more effort, right? Bringing in like more tension and trying harder is very counterproductive because it, it takes you out of that, or it, it removes the yeah. possibility of getting into such a flow state. And as, as I, or one of the ways I think about this is that almost your conscious thinking, so it's like what you think of as as me and the me voice in my head, has a relatively narrow bandwidth. There's yeah. not that yeah. much I can process consciously, and. And clearly, like unconsciously, I can process a lot more. And that's pretty clear, like the typical example of this is learning how to drive a car, where when you're doing it consciously, it's totally overwhelming, way too many things to think about. And you have to use your hands and feet and you're all over the place. And it's the whole process of learning how to drive a car is outsourcing it to your subconscious you have to let your subconscious do this because you you just don't have enough like the narrow focus the laser focus of your attention is Absolutely. just not suitable for this task um and i think that uh, like what you described with this you know almost like out of body experience it's it's like that conscious part is just like i have not i have no job here and you you start experiencing just the vast complexity mm-hmm. of of everything else that's going on and it and it indeed it, feels like that's not yeah. me that's doing this because it need it's not that like it's it's almost like you have this little pilot like sitting yeah. in your prefrontal cortex
1: or who thinks he's
0: always yeah. in charge but it's like no no actually, Absolutely. you're not that important yeah. and,
1: and in fact you've hit the nail on the head there with the PFC transient hyperfrontality is when you slow down the prefrontal cortex and and it's that in that prefrontal cortex when that analytical mind kicks in isn't it when the monkey mind keeps chatting away saying you're not good enough or that negative introspection or whatever it might be if you can slow this down the prefrontal cortex you've got this huge machine ready and waiting to take over which actually is, is already doing a shed load of stuff anyway but but if you give it that control mm-hmm. I mean the the car analogy there is perfect um, If you're driving on a journey from point A to point B, you don't need the conscious brain. It's the subconscious brain that does it, as you say. Um, (laughs) Therefore, that can be quite a relaxing experience if it weren't for the fact that we're always thinking about other things that kick in. Um, But that's (laughs) often when, you know, the brainwave pattern is, is different when you're in that state, you know, uh, in clinical hypnotherapy, we guide people into a theta controlled state when they're on the couch because that's when your brain is more malleable. You're open to suggestion, which is why you use suggestible language in hypnotherapy. Um, and quite often, uh, with, with flow, with hypnotherapy, with uh, binaural beats, if you ever listen to binaural beats or isochronic tones, it's all about changing your brainwave pattern to a state where uh, it's far more efficient at the task at hand, be it the task being going to sleep or the task being needing to focus. Uh, you know, you can take control of this now mm. and, and direct it to where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that
0: it, it—it sounds like, and I think probably most people have experienced some form mm. of flow state, or at least I hope so. Right? That there's some things you get into where you get into this flow state. I think the—the the problem, the primary problem is that it feels inaccessible. And I guess that's what you teach is like how—how how do we actually? flip the switch so to speak to get into this state and is that so let me ask you like you know to to what degree can can we kind of decide i want to be in a flow state now and make that happen
1: so i've experienced a flow state whilst working in front of the computer um i've experienced a flow state whilst running down a mountain i've experienced a flow state whilst riding a motorbike through through the twisties in the mountains Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and everybody can experience it and quite often it's not something that you would ever have consciously created. Um, it's just something that happens and you think, wow, that was incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, it could just be simply, wow, that was incredible. How, how on earth did I get all that done? You know, um, and how I did that? That was nuts. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so a lot of it is around initially. If you want to experience this kind of thing, intention is key. So when you wake up in the morning, one of the things I quite often talk about is you wake up, you set your intention and your t- intention should be, I want to flow through today, making use of the various protocols that I teach on my course or you know, via the flow code, um, which will be partly breath work, there'll be partly kinesiology, partly movement based, movement flow. But the important thing is, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And, and also, another important factor is that people think, if I say what I've just said, people are thinking, I haven't got time. How on earth can I do all that in, in, in one day? Well, actually, mm-hmm. you only need to do one or two minute exercises typically. You don't have to do 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. And what I use is something called mindfulness timer on my phone. Uh, there's lots of different apps out there. I'm not associated with this, it's just one that works. And it just chimes with a little Buddhist mm-hmm. sounding bell every 45 minutes. When that bell goes off, that reminds me to do something to change my state. It could be, I might want to go down and do some push-ups." It could be, <clears throat> "I'm want to have a little walk in nature tap into my senses. It could be, "I want to do some breath work." you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what one of those, as long as they actively change my state, because if I've been working in front of the computer, after 45 minutes, I'm already losing you know uh, efficiency and and developing brain fog the electromagnetic frequency believe it you know some people believe it some people don't um but will have i believe an effect on the brain and the body just the fact that i've been sat down the brilliant thing about us two doing this podcast right now is we're both standing up so good for you you know the more we do that obviously the better it is um but even if we're doing this standing up we're still in front of a computer we're doing one task um so it's good just to switch it up you know all you've got to do is you know two, three minutes, maybe five minutes doing something, you get back to your task that you were at before, you've changed the blood flow in your body, changed the gas exchange of O2, CO2, and you've changed your state. Mm. And so
0: you're specifically then trying to do something that is that is mindful, that, that, you didn't, that connects you Not to always. the present moment? You know, I quite often yeah. say
1: juggle. People, you know, uh, the wonderful thing about mm. juggle is that you can't, think about stuff when you're juggling your reaction time has to be so quick. It can only be done by the subconscious. So in other words, what is it? It's meditation. Therefore juggling is meditation. So, um, (laughs) yes, it it could be something that's more mindful, brings you into the present. If you do that every 45 minutes, brilliant, but it doesn't have to be Push-ups aren't necessarily going to bring you into the present, but what they are going to do is just change your state. I teach chair yoga. Um, so, but that's really useful. Let's say if you are in a job that has you sat at your computer all day, you know, you've got loads of zoom calls, which of course is a really bad idea, but let's say you do, um, you can learn chair (laughs) yoga techniques that provide resistance whilst you're breathing, um, that will just create more blood flow around the body. Just change your state briefly before you probably in the next 45 minutes really do need to get off your backside and do something else. But you know, at least it's a technique that, again, mm. helps change the state.
0: And so by practicing this, you then eventually – how does this connect to, the, so, to getting into a flow state?
1: First off, what you're doing is you're just encouraging more flow in your life. In other words, by doing all of these practices, uh, meditating <clears throat> in the evening perhaps, <clears throat> breath work in the morning, whatever it is, just making sure you're doing what I call pre-flight checks – So, you know, you're switching all the switches on your airplane before you take flight. And then in the middle of the day, you're doing in-flight checks with whatever protocols you fancy doing.
0: Mm.
1: Only by doing that on a regular basis, in other words, every day, do you see changes in your life. Let's say you're in a job you dislike. You know you ought to do something about it, but all the other commitments are holding you in that job. If you practice these techniques on a daily basis, you're going to have a light bulb moment. That light bulb moment could just simply be you have a conversation with your boss and then you work part-time. Or it could well be that you hand your notice it. You know, it's just an example. From that, that then leads on to you creating a path that aligns with who you are. And then as soon as you start doing that, aligning Mm. your passion with what you love to do, because let's face it, if you're a high-level, top-level sportsman, passion is linked somewhere to what you do. You then start to experience these flow state moments. And it doesn't have to be 100% passion. You know, it doesn't have to be, how on earth can I find something to do that's something that's totally derived by passion? Um, but <clears throat> as long as a major part of it is, or or significant moments that are, and in those moments, that's when these flow states are gonna occur. Because you're aligning, mm. uh, so um, uh, there's a, a model, Uh, by Csikszentmihalyi. I never know how to pronounce his name. And it's a wonderful model all about flow states. And it's all to do with marrying your skill level with the challenge. So let's say, and I'll use the same example. You've decided to change your career in some way. And whatever it is, it requires a challenge because you're making this big change. But you know you've got just enough skill level to meet the challenge. And if you have too much skill for the challenge, then the challenge isn't challenge enough. So you have gotta up your game. And when you do that, you find a point on the graph where both you've got just enough skill level to meet the challenge. Then you start experiencing again these flow state moments because you have this wonderful flow that you're in because things are going right for you and you're getting excited by what's going on. But it's not too much because if you have too much skill for the, for the challenge, you'll get bored. You'll give up because you're thinking that's too easy. Mm -hmm. So you, it's, it's a quite a -hmm. a sort of a, a careful, deliberate, uh, point at which you marry both and then, then things start to go well.
0: So it's like, it's about the process where you want to cultivate this process. In order to, you know, one of the things I'm hearing out of what you're saying is that it's it's a mistake to try and kind of yeah. jump to the finish line because um, you, yeah, the, the thing that will give you access to flow states might be a few steps removed from where you are right now, such as a career change or something like that. And so you have to have a process, you follow that process and you, you kind of let things unfold and move you towards where you can create circumstances for yourself that are more likely to put yourself in a flow state. So
1: a few years ago, I was really into running. This is a good 10 years ago. And I started doing endurance stuff. And then I did a few mountain runs. And I remember distinctly in Wales running down a mountain and it was on a scree slope. And there was a point at which I genuinely felt like I was a goat. And I knew that wherever I Put my foot was going to be the perfect place to put my foot. At no point was I thinking, oh, I ought to be careful, I might fall. Because, of course, as soon as you think that, you are going to fall. So I had this, it, it felt like I was able to bounce on cloud. It was just incredible, this feeling. That was a flow state. I only got there because I loved what I was doing. I loved running. I was putting in the miles, I was doing lots of training. So it was, my skill level was improving. And the challenge at that time mm. was just within reach. And and there must have been some other things going well for me at the time. Maybe I was in it. You know, I, I don't remember, but let's say I was in a good relationship. Say, let's say things were going well in my job for the last week. Let's say, uh, you know, whatever it was, there is a marrying of all these different things happening at once. That's what it is. So it's. And if you imagine, let's, it's easy to think of it in terms of a, a top-level sports person because if you think of what they're doing, they are putting in hours upon hours to the one thing. Hopefully, they still love what they do. And if they are a top-level sports person, they're probably getting paid a lot of money. So all those financial worries are out the window. Uh, there's probably lots of other good things happening to them at the same time. And so therefore, they end up, mm. when in competition time, in these wonderful flow state moments. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's, that's the probably a really good way of describing it. it's kind of all good things happening at once. So therefore, if you start learning mindful activities that don't have to be meditation, a lot of people get put off by meditation. They think they can't do it. Hence why I say do juggling or use a use a boxing focus ball, whatever it is. Um, by doing breath, uh, breath work, which has so many benefits, physiologically and psychologically, by doing balanced-based exercises, by setting yourself little challenges. You know, on my YouTube channel, I did the um, the Bring Sally Up push-up challenge. And I said, this is my balanced challenge. In other words, I know I can do a push-up. The challenge to be able to meet that, on that, if you've ever come across that challenge, I don't know if you've ever had, um, I knew that I could one day do it. So it was just enough. And I was doing it mm. deliberately to say, this is the reason why I'm doing it. So it's it's a series of different things. It's a process, as you say. Yeah, that, that's great stuff. So it's like yes. this convergence of
0: circumstances in a way. Yeah. All right. So um, one, one more thing I'd like to ask you. As someone who's, you're, you're this explorer in the space, right? You, you're you trying out all these different things. You're And you're integrating loads and loads of practices into your life. A problem that I've encountered and a lot of people I've talked to um encounter sometimes when we when we're doing this this self-improvement work is that we can get to the point where it feels like it's too much, feels like a chore, right? It feels like every day I have to do this stuff. Oh, I have to meditate and exercise and cold exposure and breath work and so on. It's like and it it's almost like we build up this tower of mm-hmm. habits and eventually it becomes too much and it all collapses. Is that yeah. you know, can you relate to that? And is that something that you have like how do you deal with with all the different
1: things um uh Never, ever stick to protocol and instead say, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to explore. I'm going to experiment. When I put out on my channel something called the Zen Swing that I combined with breathwork, that came from somebody on my course that said, Dave, have you ever tried doing breathing in a 4-4 rhythm whilst doing the Zen Swing? If you don't know what that is, check it out on my channel. Uh, And I said, no, let's give it a go. So we gave it a go and I went, oh, that feels amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want people to do. Take the one thing, learn it. And then every day think, I wonder what would happen if I tried that with this. Um, you know, yesterday I was suffering mm. from hay fever. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I had a, um, a Shiatsu book laying around. And I was re- reminding myself of some of the little things you can do in that. And I thought, okay, I know that something called Ujjayi breath Increases nitric oxide creates vasodilation. So in other words, the blood vessels open and therefore can unblock the nose So quite often I do ujjayi breath to unblock the nose. I then thought why don't I? specifically press an area in my hand that has a meridian line linked to uh, certain areas of the 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 nose and, and that part of the head and see if that could work maybe whilst I do some breath work so in other words I'm so excited still by all of this. I'm always thinking, I wonder what will happen if. And that's Mm. how you do it. One of the things I quite often talk to people about or tell them about is having this childlike mindset, this awe mindset. As we get older, we lose it. When you become a parent, you see it. But still, you see it as being out of reach. You think, well, I'm a grown-up now. I can't play. I can't can't see through their eyes because their eyes are saying, wow, that's amazing but actually you can. Mm. If you really deeply look at things, if you start applying that mindset to everything around you, looking at the tree thinking, wow, if that tree were able to witness something, you know, witness things, that tree's over 400 years old, what would it have witnessed just there in that spot? You know, just having that kind of mindset Mm. where you're constantly thinking like that means again that you're applying this exploratory, experimental, mindset that's when things start to get exciting mm. again yeah and playful like you, yes. you're staying in yeah. a kind of in a place there's a guy mode, called Dr. steven yeah. jepson on youtube uh and he's about I, th- I think he's either a septuagenarian or octogenarian he's certainly close to 80 now and his youtube channel is very small there's only a few videos on there and he talks about exactly that get out into the backyard and play so in his backyard he has a slack line bearing, mm. out, bearing in mind how old he is he has a slack line He bounces two balls off an angled wall he does all these different things to keep his body and mind in the right state to work on his cerebellum on balance activities to uh, work on his cognitive ability he's playing all the time that sounds great
0: i'm gonna have to look that up yeah we'll also put that in the show notes that sounds really cool all right yes that's so that's awesome now we've i feel like we've only touched on probably like half or fewer (laughs) of the things that we could have talked about but um, I don't want to take up too much of your time here either. But yeah, I think this was, is this was really fascinating. And thank you very much for um, sharing with us. Uh, as a final thing, like um, like I said, we'll put links in the show notes. But just is there anything that you want to tell our audience about where they should go to find you? I really
1: appreciate it. And you're right. There's far too many things that I do, unfortunately. <laughs> it would be impossible to do one show, I suppose. Um, but yeah, do check out my website, DaveFlorence.com. On there, you'll see the various different services that I offer. I've got my uh, new course that's been running now for a few months, and, I, and the next one starts next Monday, an evolutionary flow course covering many of the stuff that we've been talking about, breath work, movement, kinesiology, lots of things like that. All right. It's only 10 days, a lovely little course where you will go away with lots of ideas and practices. I'm working on a much bigger course that people should stand by for, but, but just check out my YouTube channel as well, Evolution of Dave. Lots of stuff on there. To, to sort of reset your mind, etc. Good stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, so we will link to all that in the description, in the show notes, and people know where to go for that. With that, thank you very much, Dave. This has been a pleasure, and I hope we'll maybe Absolutely. catch up at some future point and touch on some of these yeah, other things to. that we didn't get to this time around.
1: All Cheers, right, my man. You want- thank you.